We're continuing on the series, The Wonderful Name of Jesus. And last week we started talking about the greatness of his name. I want to continue today as the Lord gives us utterance. He very much wants you to realize that there is power and authority, ultimate power and authority in his name. And he's given you the power of attorney of his name. The Bible talks about where his name is, that's where he is. So when you use the name of Jesus, Jesus is there making sure that what the word says comes to pass. So we do everything in his name. We said this last week. The early church, they didn't know a lot, but they did know how to use the name of Jesus. We've kind of lost that. You know, the name of Jesus has been something now that we bless our food and uh, with. But I'm telling you, the name of Jesus is so much more. So let's jump off here and let's talk about the name. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 1 in verse 1. Hallelujah. As you're looking for John 1, 1, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is full of life and power. It's active. It's effective. So, Father, we thank you for the anointing today that is upon your word, that it lifts burdens, that it destroys yokes of bondage in people's lives. Father, we thank you today for direction. We thank you for strength, for clarity. We thank you that confusion will be dispelled today. And, Father, we come before your word and we, we look to you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, listen, in John chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the very beginning. We're going to see that the name of Jesus, his eternal name, is the Word of God. The Bible talks about how that wherever his word is, there he is. So let's look at this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. This is the Greek word pros. It means the word was face to face with God. And then it says this, and the word was God. You should write this down and never forget it. You cannot separate God from his word. You can't do it. The word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 107.20, it says that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. The word of God is full of life and power. Jesus' eternal name is the word of God. You can't separate God from his word. When you sit down at your table to read the word of God, do you realize that God is sitting at the table with you? So when you read the word, you're not reading a book. He's talking to you. Have you ever heard the statement, the Bible is God speaking to me? That's literally the way it is. There's literally no difference. I'm on this earth, and whenever I sit and read God's word, it's as if he's sitting across the table speaking to me. Tony, 
you can do all things. My son, all things are possible to you if you'll believe. Right? Tony, don't, don't be afraid of this. I haven't given you the spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power and of love. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. I mean, it's him talking to me. We take these things for granted. This season is all about Jesus, right? Look at verse 3. It says, all things were made by him. That means all things were made by the word. Everything. He's the creator. Jesus is the creator of all things. Oh yeah, see, he, he was born into the earth 2,000 years ago, or just under, right? But oh, he existed way before then. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's amazing. I wrote this down years ago in my Bible. Christianity is the divine act of God that transfers man from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It literally raises us up far above everything that will ever face us. It literally puts us in a position where the very spirit of God dwells in me, the greater one, so he always causes me to triumph in him. This is what we're talking about. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And then it says this in verse 4. In him, in him was life. And it's the Greek word zoe. It literally means the life of God. In Jesus is the zoe life of God. The very life of God dwells in Jesus. Jesus is the word. The very life of God dwells in his word. So you could have the very quality of life that God has by merely speaking his word. Do you know his, his word is filled with freedom? It's filled with grace. The word of his grace. It builds us up and it empowers us to be partakers of his divine nature. It empowers us to walk holy before him. It empowers us to, to literally stand and be the man or woman of God that he's, he's literally purposed us to be. This is so important that we see this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, if you read the Gospel of John, the main word in this revelation is light. The life of God was the light of men. It, this word light has in it development. It's the life of God that develops us. Where, where is that at? It's in his word. This is why if you meditate in his word day and night, it'll show you, it'll be a lamp to your feet, it'll be a light to your path. It will literally cause you to observe yourself doing the word. It'll move you into being a doer of the word. So many Christians in this time, it's like they're asleep. You can see it on their countenance. There's no joy. There's no excitement. It's because they, they literally have been lulled to sleep. They hear this stuff, and at the end of the day, they just don't believe it. But if you'll feed on it, you'll believe it. If you will go beyond just a casual, I come to church once in a while, I read my Bible 
whenever I'm in a, a major issue in my life and that's the only time. See, if you start feeding on the word of God, it'll change your life forever. Verse 10, it says, He was in the world. Jesus was a divine human being. He was the incarnate Son of God, right? He was God incarnate. He took upon himself flesh, but he was still God. It's amazing. Was able to redeem us from spiritual death. It says he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. But then in verse 12, it says this, but as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You had to believe on his name to be saved. You, had to, you have to believe on his name to receive everything that salvation entitled. In, in, in probably the best word, if it, if it matches the Greek, would be everything that's encapsulated in salvation. Salvation is not just going to heaven. Salvation brings heaven to earth in your life right now, right? That's, that's the way we walk. It goes on to say in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. This is what we're talking about. We celebrate Jesus taking upon himself flesh and coming to this earth. And so I, I, I pray that this Christmas season will become more than a stressful time of trying to get everything done. That it'll become more than toys for the kids. That, that this will be a season where you get to know Jesus. Because he, he, he's incredible. He's irresistible. He will change everything about your life. And he is the word of God. Wherever the word is, he's there. Wherever you use the name of Jesus, he's there. When you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Why? Because you believe in the name. Isn't that amazing? It says in verse 18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So Jesus literally showed all of us who God is. So now let's continue with this. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 1, and let's look at what that says. Colossians chapter 1, right about verse 12. Let's look at this one now. Colossians 1, verse 12. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. You could use the name of Jesus and change everything in your life to come in line with his word. The reason why people don't is they're refusing it. Why are they refusing it? They're wanting to hang on to feeling sorry for themselves. They're wanting to hang on to the pain of what's happened to them. And guys, there's no life in that. There is no life in it. It'll destroy your body doing that. It'll, it'll mess up your mind doing that. It'll rob you of the joy. It'll rob you of the plan of God for your life. Let's let that go. Amen? Let's take the name of Jesus and go in the name of Jesus. I am filled with joy. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, 2019 is going to be so much better than 2018. Right? Let's use the name of Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, that, that word in the Greek language means that's made us able to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life, in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So let's keep going with this. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus, in other words, is the visible form of the invisible God. You can honestly say, I know God the Father because you know Jesus. Who is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature for, now look at this, again, he's the creator of all things, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. All things. Isn't that amazing? He created all those principalities and powers. Now, now you got to understand what he's saying there is I created everything in heaven. I created everything in the earth. I created all the angelic beings. He even created Satan, but he didn't create him Satan. He created him Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub. He chose as a third of the other angels. They chose to rebel against God, so now they fell from their place. So don't think, see, some people that don't study the word of God will say, well, see, God created Satan. I want to encourage you. Don't just go by what somebody preaches. You want to see what their life is like. You want to see, are they living? Are they living a life of faith? Right? Because, man, you got to be careful what you hear. So, so I love this here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Everything was created by him. Everything was created for him. The Bible says he holds everything together by the word of his power. So right now the whole universe is held together. Right now all matter is held together. If you were to look at the matter of that chair, do you know there's more invisible stuff than visible? The only reason why we could see this, and I don't understand all this, but I think it's the, is it the neutrons that go around? They're going so fast. The electrons, they go around so fast that you could see that. If you want to really look at it, you're not really even really sitting on your chair. It's really amazing. He's the God that created all the invisible and the visible. And he said to you, look at the invisible because the invisible is not subject to change. If I said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that's the invisible. It changes all the visible. It'll change your kidney. It'll change your pancreas, right? It'll change your bank account. Here's a big one. It will change your mind. It'll change your mind so that your life is transformed and you meet yourself, this powerful man or woman of God that's not moved by anything but him. And oh gosh, I, I get so excited about that. 
In talking about this, I think it's 1 John chapter 3. Let's, let's go, go towards 1 John. I believe it's chapter 3 that I, where I want to go. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. And then he says this, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was manifested. Why did he come to this earth? To destroy the works of the devil. So now your enemy has been destroyed. So he has no power unless you give it to him because he has no power. He's been stripped. Isn't that good news? Turn back to First uh, John chapter 1. Look at what it says in verse 1. It says, that which, we, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Jesus is the word. You see that? Jesus, the name of Jesus, is, is his very person. You, if you want to even clear picture, actually, let's just go there. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, it's not far away. We're going to look at verse 13. It says it very clearly. Revelation 19, 13. Now, if you look at verse 11 through verse 16, this is, this is talking about the second coming of Jesus after the rapture, after the seven-year tribulation. We're going to come back to this earth. And he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a conquering king. In verse 13, it talks about him. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 11 because it's so good. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. You've got to get a revelation of this. Like right now I'm saying all these scriptures. But when you get a revelation that the name of Jesus, it literally has within it all the creative power of God. It will change what you've messed up. It will literally bring your life into being a picture of what your life is to be. Everything has to bow Sickness and disease has to bow. Deformity. Everything must bow to the name of Jesus. Cancer has to bow. Poverty and lack, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. It's his eternal name. So now let's go back to the Christmas scripture, which is not really a Christmas scripture. Isaiah chapter 9. Let's go over there because I want to I show you something about his name. Isaiah chapter 9. You guys doing okay? You know, I just, uh, 
I just believe God wants to bring revelation of who he is to you in a, in a, in a way that will forever change your life. See, Jesus came to this earth to bring the government of God to this earth. To restore everything that Adam lost. So we always read this for, for Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Right? The government shall be upon his shoulder. The government is not on the shoulder of the little baby in the manger. The government, now it's talking about Jesus. Yeah, a child was given. Yes, a son was given. But I'm telling you now, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is given. And he's seated forever on the throne, which forever declares our total authority in the earth. That I am eternally, he, where it says he makes intercession for us as believers. Well, if you study the prayer of intercession, the prayer of intercession is not for a believer. It is literally, we pray that for people that don't know God to fill in the gap and introduce them to God. But this word intercession, it's not talking about the action of intercession like prayer. It's talking about the position that Jesus sitting on the right hand of his father today is literally, it forever speaks and connects us that we're connected. We're one with God. He doesn't ever live to pray for us because why would he? It's all finished. There's nothing to pray for. Do you see? Boy, you got to get that. It's all done. It says here, he is, his, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. We're not talking about a baby in a manger right now. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. That literally means the hero God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Or you could say it as it's written in Hebrew, or, or as it's written in Hebrew, the Prince of Shalom. Isn't that awesome? Part of Shalom is just this, it's like this quiet confidence. I walk in the peace of God. It's this quiet confidence confidence and assurance on the inside of me that I'll never face anything that's greater than who I'm in and who's in me. That I'm more than a conqueror. That whatever I face in life, I have literally already been given the victory over it. And now, any affliction, any test or trials, anything the enemy tries to do to steal and kill and destroy in my life, it no longer is something I'm afraid of. It's no longer something I shrink back from. It's literally, it's, it's, it's like it's a gymnasium. It's a weight room. That's it. It's, it's going to make me stronger. When the enemy presses me in the grace of God and this thing that rises out of my spirit, which is from my Father called patience, 
It literally, it grows. The more the enemy presses, the greater it is. The difference is, is it presses the enemy until whatever he brings against me has to come in line with the word of God. That it, it enables me as I humble myself and as I resist the devil, he runs in terror from me. This is why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, finally, my brethren, you be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the power of his ability. Don't do it on your own. It says here in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, your rights and my rights are established in the kingdom of God and Satan can't take it from us. You have been, you've already been predestined to win. So, so literally, God is saying to you today, you're more than a conqueror. You've already won. This is why he causes you to triumph. Why? Because the triumph is the party after the victory. Amen. So this is why, and let's go back to what we talked about a little bit last week. Let's go and let's see, when Jesus left the earth, let's look at Matthew's account. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And now let's bring it right to where we're living today. Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18. Hallelujah. It says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, now, this is after he came out of the grave. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Everything changed when he came out of the grave. Now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus on the earth, there was a lot of power. But it was way beyond that when he came out of the grave. He said, all power is now given to me in heaven and earth. He now has the keys of death and hell. Everything is done. He said, all power has been given unto me. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. It says here, verse 19, look at what he says right after that. Now he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and then he says this, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. All authority you have right now sitting, you're sitting in this room, you have all authority. When you realize it, you will get your eyes off yourself and you'll go and you'll make disciples of all nations. If you don't understand it and if you don't understand who you are, you'll live for yourself and you'll miss the plan of God for your life. Every one of us is there. And I know I'm speaking to the choir because there's so much hunger here. But I could tell you this, where you're at right now, hunger-wise, it's only the beginning. And I'm speaking, I'm starting with me. It's only the beginning. You think I'm crazy wild now for him? You think I'm all about the word now? Wait till next year. Wait till next month. Wait till Monday. Because I've tasted 
And I've seen, when I taste, I see that he's good and all that that means. And I keep tasting and I keep tasting. I walk around tasting all day in my life and I see more of his goodness and I see more of his goodness. And it enables you to overcome anything in your past, overcome anything in your life. It enables you to love the unlovable. It enables you to walk fearlessly in your life. It causes you to get up in the morning and just be so excited because you understand this is a new moment. This is a new day for me. This is a new season. You know, we sang about this. Man, a new season is here. But guess what? Not only is a new season here, a new season's also coming. So we live with great expectation for our future. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you guys, you're going to see it in your lifetime. The church is going to rise up in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's going to change this city. It's going to change this region. It's going to change the state, and it's going to ultimately change the world. Why? Not because of us, but because we're tasting and we're seeing that he's good. We're no longer going to live by the guidelines of the world. Oh, the world will tell you, based on where you're at now, you can't get here. And we'll laugh at that. Because God makes a way where there is no way. All things are possible. Right? I love that. He said, if, if, I abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask, you'll call for, you'll require, you'll make a demand for whatever you will. And it'll be done for you. Literally in the Greek, it literally means if I don't have it, I'll go make it for you. But guess what? The Bible says he opens up his hand and fulfills the desires of all living flesh. He doesn't even have to go anywhere. It's all in him. And he's in you. Wow. All power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. So now I want to I go back to the foundational scripture of this series. Go to Philippians chapter 2 because we want to get a good picture of this as we go on today. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Can you, can you sense the hope and the expectation welling up in you? The name of Jesus will bring everything back to you that the enemy has stolen from you. It'll bring it all back. Nothing is lost. As you're sitting here today, nothing's lost. The enemy stole it. it. He probably stole it because maybe your own stupidity. If you're like me, it would have been because of you. But you know the enemy steals things and it has nothing to do with you. He comes in, he uses other people, or he just steals from you. God says the righteous are to be repaid in, this, in the earth. That's Proverbs 11.31. That's part of who we are in Christ. Philippians chapter 2, it says this in verse 9. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 in verse 9, it says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. Debt is a name right? Sickness and disease is a name, every name. He's given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things, and we looked at this, of things or beings in heaven, of things and things or beings in earth, 
and things and beings under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? So now let's look at Mark's account. So we have this name. So now look at Mark's account right before Jesus left the earth. We just looked at Matthew's account. Let's look at Mark. So go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, at the end of that chapter, I think we'll start in probably about verse 15. Why do we teach the word? We're going up different areas of the, of the mountain, but it's all the same mountain. It's to give you a foundation. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We're giving you several, right? Because you have to know this is truth. Cha or Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Now notice how I read that. I'm reading that as it would read in the literal Greek. It, it reads, and it's okay in the King James, it says, and, the, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And then it says, in my name, they shall cast out, and it goes there. But if you look at the Greek, there's no punctuation. But if you look at the Greek, it would read like this, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. You have to believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that when I speak the name of Jesus, that he is there to do the work. Amen. Right? It says, for those that will believe in his name, they shall cast out devils. We have authority over the devil. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, that's interesting. If you believe in the name of Jesus, you'll speak with new tongues. If you believe in the name of Jesus, in other words, you're not going to walk around saying, well, I just don't believe in that Holy Spirit baptism stuff. If you believe in the name of Jesus, you go to the Word to find out what the Word says, not what you want it to say. They right? So let's keep going there. Verse 18, and they shall take up serpents. This word take up means they'll carry away serpents. Again, talking about the satanic forces in this world that come against us. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Do you see, if you believe in the name of Jesus in this list, the authority that you have and the protection that you have? Isn't that interesting? If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. If you believe in the name, you'll lay hands on the sick. So ask yourself, when was the last time I ever laid hands on the sick? And if you're going, man, I can't remember the last time, then don't beat yourself up. Go, okay, I think I'm too busy. Too busy doing nothing. Right? But pastor, I work 80 hours a week. I have no time. Oh, I've, I've done that. 100 hours a week, month after month after month, and still grown spiritually. Man, if you look at your schedule, do you know how many hours we spend doing nothing? Right? But if you believe on the name, see, see so, so don't sit here and go, okay, man, I do believe on the name, so I need to go out and lay hands on somebody. No, 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 don't focus on that. Focus on believing on the name. 
Well, how do you believe anything? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So if you taste, you'll see. If you feed upon it, you'll hunger after it. And pretty soon you'll start believing in the name. Pretty soon you'll start seeing God move in some areas of your life. And pretty soon you'll get to the point where you go, wow, I don't even need to focus on my life anymore. Okay, Father, I'm just going to start getting up every day. Listen, I believe in the name and I'm available today. You tell me to do something, I'll do it. Now be careful if you ask him. Because he's called you and he's ordained you to bear fruit on this earth. And, and your fruit is to remain. That means eternity. So, so when you make yourself available, you'll start having divine appointments. Right? Guess what? I'll have a bunch of them this week. And you know, as your pastor, who man is full of the word, full of faith... When the Lord tells me to pray for somebody or lay hands on them, my flesh goes, oh, what if they don't get healed? Because my flesh is stupid. My, you know, right? Because in reality, when we lay hands on people, is it saying that we heal them? No. He does. Right? Whatever. So remember that. They'll lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. It says, verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now look at this. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working, it says in the, in the King James, working with them, but the word them is in italics, which means it was added by the translators to bring clarity to it. But I don't like that word, them, because God doesn't line up with you. You line up with him. So they went forth, the Lord working with and confirming his word with signs following. He confirms his words with signs following, because where his name is, there he is. I love there. And then at the very end of it, what does it say? I love this word, amen. At the end of reading this, everybody say amen. That means, so be it unto me. Isn't that a great way to live? So now, we're learning about the name a little bit. Now let's go back. The last interaction that Jesus had with his disciples, he said some real powerful things. Go to John chapter 14. Let's look at John chapter 14 here real quick. Verse 12. We're going to look at a couple scriptures on this. So we're talking about the name, and now we're going to really see how it begins to benefit our life. In verse 12 of John chapter 14, it says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now you got to know what this word ask is. It doesn't mean like, hey, I'm asking Pastor Edwin for something. No, the word in the Greek for ask is the word that means to call for, to require, and to make a demand for. 
So let's read this literally in verse 13. He says this, And whatsoever you shall call for, require or make a demand for. Well, why not just ask? Because it's already done. There's not, a, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, if you ask God to heal you, he will heal you. There's no verses in the Bible that say he will heal you. Now there's hundreds that says he's already provided healing for you. So it's no longer a matter of him healing you. Remember Jesus, what did he say right when he gave up his spirit? He said, it is finished. What does it say all through the Bible? Now, for me as a Christian, I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. When it talks about healing, or when it talks about any of the blessings of God, it talks about them in past tense. Who hath blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. All the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. Right? So it says right here, verse 13, whatsoever you shall call for, Father, I'm calling for my healing. I'm making a demand for my healing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17 says, Jesus himself bore my sickness and he carried my pain. When did he do that? On the cross 2,000 years ago. So now I'm calling for it. I'm making a demand for it. Father, my body's hurting. My body's not working right. So this is illegal. It has no right in my body. So I'm calling for your healing power right now. The Bible says, whatsoever you shall call for, make a demand for, or require in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you shall call for, require, make a demand for, same Greek word, anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but is there any gray area in that verse? And, he, and, and the Holy Spirit saw fit to put this two times in two verses. That is like the Holy Spirit going, guys, you have to get this. This is like paramount. And notice, it's all dependent on if you ask. Do you know why people don't ask? Do you know why people don't call for, require, make a demand for? It's because they don't believe on the name. Do you know why they don't believe on the name? Because they're spending their whole day pursuing their deal instead of putting God first. Because if you'll, if, see, if you put God first, this is the cool thing. He will even lengthen your day. Right? He'll cause you to get everything done. He's the greatest time manager in the world. So now let's look at this again as if this wasn't enough. Now it says it over and over and over, but go to John chapter 16. Just go two, two chapters over. John chapter 16, in verse 23. Isn't this awesome? It says in verse 23, and in that day, this is the day after the resurrection. So we could say it today. And in the day that you're living in right now, you shall call for, you'll require, you'll make a demand for, 
you'll ask me nothing. But most assuredly, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, whatever you call for, make a demand for, or require of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Up till now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So you're like, well, wait a minute. In chapter 14, Jesus said, ask me and I'll do it. But now it's like, ask the Father. So I wanted to go through both of those because here's the thing. Now, now that the resurrection has happened, we ask the Father in the name of Jesus. So now look at what it says again. And in that day, this is talking about the day after the resurrection, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. But wait a minute, but the Father has the plan. Jesus carries out the plan and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. Yes. The Father has the plan. Jesus already carried it out. And the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Everything you will ever need has already been given to you. It's all, you already own it. You just have to take possession of it. And if you ask the Father, but it's very important that you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Do you see that? This is so, so very important. Up till now you've asked nothing in my name, but ask and you shall receive. Why? See, now we know why in churches we have this on-fire worship team that comes out in most churches. I, I'm so thankful it's changing and, and we don't have this environment here. But, you know, in most churches it's like this. You know, there's freedom in the name. There's healing in the name. There is hope in the, in the name. Is he done yet? But, but this is why. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Could it be, could it be that the reason why the church is not filled with joy is people are going, I've not really received anything. Because I'm just getting beat up all day. and Right? And why, why are we not asking? Well, listen, the Bible, Jesus said over and over, if you had faith, even as a grade of a mustard seed, you would say. See, when you hear, you'll speak. So maybe we're not sitting under teaching. Because I got to tell you, an internet story with a dynamic, with a few jokes, man, that's cool. But as soon as the service is over, it's over. It's like going to a movie. You go to a movie and go, wow, that was awesome. And you, you're done. What's next? Okay, let's go. But when you come to church and you hear that if you ask anything, ask your father, the, your father, who, who is he? Oh, he's only the God of all creation. And he, he is the one that his eyes are always upon you and his ear is always open to you. He's literally always listening for you to ask him.
Or I should say it this way, you know, when I say ask, I'm saying call for, require, or make a demand for. He's waiting. He sees you walking through your house in pain, and his ear is right there. And the Holy Spirit is down on the inside of you going, call for your healing. Jesus carried your pain. He sees you thinking about, he sees every thought that you're taking, and he, and he sees you, all the turmoil of what you're going through in your life right now, he sees it all, and he's like, call for some stuff. Because you've been, it's been provided for you. There's peace, there's joy, there's fulfillment, there's wholeness for you, all of it's for you. But what do we think? We get all religious and we think God's just mad at us. And, and, and Romans clearly says, he is not mad at you. I mean, this is crazy. During the church age, God is not mad at the world. That person who just committed murder while we've been having church somewhere in this world, God loves him. And there's nothing to stop him from coming to God right now. And he could actually be made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ if he'll simply just believe. I mean, do you see how good this thing is? Every person that you come in contact with that doesn't know the Lord, every Christian that you know that's just beat up, do you know how many thousands and thousands of Christians are not planted in churches when God says very clearly, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together? And, and, and they're sitting because I've been hurt in church and I've been hurt here and I, I'm just so tired of hypocrisy and I'm this, but most of it is just, this is what it really is. That's all the outward stuff. Here's the inward stuff. I've just never really seen God move in my life. And, 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 the th and the reason why they're saying that is because, see, God moved. So the next move is yours. So, but the minute that, because, see, he can't violate your will. But the minute you move, he's moving. He's getting excited. When, when a person opens the Bible, or when a person comes to church and they're hearing life, there's a chance that their whole life can be changed because God is good all the time. All the time he's good. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy, that your joy may be full. So now just to reiterate, we got to go back. Just this kind of jumped up in me. Go back to Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18, and I want to, I got to show you this scripture in verse 20. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Look at this. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So think about this today. I'm, I'm gathering in his name. Is there anybody else? Okay, so, so we, yeah, we, we're there. So Jesus is here. Do we have any example in the ministry of Jesus when he was on this earth, any example of him saying, I'm not going to help you? Not one. 
Are you sure? Is there any example where he said, well, you know, this is just my greater purpose for your life. But when you get to heaven, everything's going to be all right. Did he ever say that? Not once. Well, he's here today. I mean, think of what can happen as people come to a worship night. See, this is why a worship night is so important. Because the people that are coming to a worship night are coming because they understand some things about worship. And so you get around a whole bunch of people that want to worship. And now all of a sudden, vain imaginations, strongholds, all that junk that may be in there just comes down. So tonight when you come, expect answers. Expect healing. Because he always heals wherever he's there. Because we're coming in his name. He, he is wherever his name is. There am I in the midst of them. Wow. So I want to show you something, just kind of, uh, I want to read this story of the man at the gate beautiful in Jerusalem that was healed. So go to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, hallelujah, I feel like I'm coming, kind of coming to the close here. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And, at a, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. So this, this, this is a man who's never walked. Was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. We've, we've been at that, at that area. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So literally they would carry this man. Now he wasn't a boy, he was a man. So this is years they would carry him and put him right at the gate where you'd go up into the temple and he would ask for money. That's how he made his living. Every day. How would you like to have that? You can't walk. Lame from your mother's womb. So it says here, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. So they were, he was asking for money. And Peter, now look at the way that Peter uses the name. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And then he said this, and he gave heed to them. Why? Well, it tells us he was expecting to receive something from them. He was expecting them to give him money. Right? Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. King James says, but such as I have. If you want to render the literal Greek, it would say, but who I have, I gi or give I thee. But who I have, give I thee. Wow, that's pretty powerful. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took, now this is amazing, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now, the Greek language, this, this sounds really kind of nice. Oh, here, sir, let me help you up. That's not what the Greek language is saying. When Peter says, rise up and walk, he grabbed the guy by the arm and jerked him up. And literally, him and John would have had hold of this man, dragging him. 
because we know that because it says here, took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It's interesting. It says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. In the Greek language, it says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength as he went. So this is why we know when they first lifted him up, it just all wasn't done because the Greek wording received strength is as it went. It was a progressive, but it happened very quickly. So they would have drugged this. I mean, could you imagine the people around the temple? <gasps> you know, what, what's going on, right? John Lake, they brought a baby to him. This baby had no, no hole where his mouth was. No eyes, no, I mean, everything. They brought this baby to him in a meeting, and, and he did this. Took the baby. Drop kicked the baby. The people ran, dove on him. Like, oh my gosh, you just killed this baby. The baby, all of a sudden, everything stopped because they hear this baby crying well you can't cry without a mouth creative miracle brother Hagen, a lady came had this big tumor and came up just minds her own business i'm gonna come up i'm gonna have pastor tony lay hands on me and brother Hagen is like bam hits her in the stomach you're going to prison if god doesn't show up why why would they why would they do that right because that's how it works. The Holy Spirit leads you. Now, let me say this, because we got a lot of Star Trek Christians boldly going where no man's gone before, right? No, you need to know the Lord, right? I've been in a meeting. I've seen a guy. I used to go to these evangelistic meetings at Melody Land Church by Disneyland in California. And I, the first time I ever saw a healing line, I'm sitting there, and this, this evangelist, Man, this guy comes up for healing. He, he's just laying hands on people. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. He looks at this guy. He goes, sir, step, step forward. And I'm sitting in the front row going, you know, and he just goes, bam. Just not, I mean, knocks the guy flat on the ground. And the guy, he's weeping and he gets up and he's completely healed. What? I mean, you know, so, so if you ever come up in lines, you're probably going to be like, okay, Father, I'm here to receive. And in Jesus' name, Tony is not going to punch me, kick me, or slap me. No, no, don't worry about that. But, but isn't that amazing? So this is, he grabs this guy. You probably heard people around going, oh. but in a very short time, he's leaping. Well, let's just read it. We got to read it because we want to make sure we do the right thing, right? And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate. See, everybody knew this guy. It says they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. See, this lame man that's healing, what's he doing? He's holding on to Peter and John. 
thank you guys, right? It says here, when Peter, you know, all this culminates, I'll just read verse 16. Well, I, I need to read it. And the lame man which was healed, verse 11, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's porch, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, when Peter saw these people greatly wondering, wow, how did this happen? He answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why are you marveling ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness? Get this right. Why are you looking at me as if my own power or my own holiness? How many times has God prompted you to do something and you're like, I haven't been praying the way that I should and I haven't been... Right? It doesn't happen because of your power or your holiness. It happens because of God. Right? Our, power, our own power or holiness had made, made this man to walk. Then he goes on and in verse 16 he says this. Now get this. And his name. Wow. We better go back and read it. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and defiled him and in the presence of Pilate when he was, what, determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer instead to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life. Wow, Peter, dude, you are slamming these people, right? And killed the prince of life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him that hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. His name and faith in his name made him whole. Well, I got to tell you, if his faith in the name of Jesus made him whole, then why couldn't your faith make you whole? The answer to that is it could. Right? Does that make sense? Now, a lot of people will say healing's been done away with, but did you notice it couldn't have been, see, the name hasn't been done away with. Nobody will say that. Healing is in the name. Provision's in the name. Hope is in the name. Life is in the name. Everything that you need, everything that every individual that you will ever come in contact will ever need is all in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word.